And at the very end, when she was done and said, so what would package would you like? He looks at her and says, well, I want X package, but I want the 10% senior citizen discount. To which she replied, sir, I do not believe you're a senior citizen. And he says, well, why do they get all the breaks? They have all the money and I'm a husband and I have a wife and these two little children and I need that 10% senior discount. (laughs) And I proceeded to look at him. Are you a millennial, Gen Xer, or a young boomer? Do you want to learn more about financial independence? Are you contemplating or already in early retirement? The Lighter podcast highlights, or as we like to say, Lights, issues around your financial independence. Join the community as we explore millennial-boomer relationships and pass the best lessons down to next-gen Fi millennials. We will talk about FIRE, from FU money to early retirement. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Philotter Podcast. I'm Lambo, the creator and host of the Philotter Podcast and the Philotter.com website and media hub. My goal is to fill these podcasts with interesting content to build your confidence and competence in making personal finance and lifestyle decisions. Today in episode four, we have two great segments. In segment one today, we'll discuss one of the five secrets of success in the spirit of Thanksgiving this past week in the USA. Then in segment two of today's show, we'll cover some thoughts on negotiation, including one of the early Lambeau negotiation experiences. With that intro, let's get into segment one. Today's segment one is inspired by the lyrics of Sheryl Crow's song, Soak Up the Sun. She co-wrote the song with Jeff Trott. There are so many gems in this song, but the main one for today's discussion is the secret to many five successes. The lyric goes like this. It's not having what you want. It's wanting what you've got. And I know it's really hard to say those lyrics instead of singing those lyrics, but I'm giving it my best shot. One more time. It's not having what you want. It's wanting what you've got. Well, if there was ever a year to be thankful for what you have, 2020 is at the top of the list. How many people have done without experiences, activities, or even necessities this year? So many people have been impacted in so many ways by COVID-19. I'm not going to try to peel that onion today, but I do acknowledge the difficulties not only in this country but all over the world that have become much too real as the planet fights an unseen attacker. Cheryl Crow's comments in those lyrics above are very similar to a key concept in financial independence, and that concept is living within your means. When I talk about this, I'm not saying if you bring home $5,000 a month and only spend 4950 that you are winning. If $50 a month is all you can manage to save, after 20 years you will have the massive total of $12,000. In other words, living at the edge of your means will not get you to the goal of financial independence. Remember the gap? We want to grow the gap, and the bigger the gap, the more peace of mind that you have in pursuing your goal of FI. A large gap is like rocket fuel to get you on the path to FI. Are there exceptions to this? Sure. If your cash flow is consumed by real estate mortgages in a market where property values and rent values are both on the move up, 
you're still building equity and net worth that can one day be tapped through the sale of a house or a cash-out refi, or even through paying off some of the mortgages and generating more disposable income. I'm not talking about real estate as a path to FI. There are plenty of podcasts that already cover that in much deeper levels than I can comprehend. Check out Bigger Pockets if you'd like to learn more about that. Getting back to the focus on living within your means, what I'm suggesting is you rephrase this one to a goal of living well below your means. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? What do you mean? Why? If I've got it, I can spend it. I've had this car three years. I need a new car. I have to go skiing for spring break. Everyone else goes every year. I have to go to Florida for spring break. No one stays in Texas. I earn this money. I deserve to fill in the blank. Perhaps this year, Many of us have learned that we can live without stuff and we can live without expensive trips. Does that mean we will delete the travel budget from our retirement plan? Heck no! I'm looking forward to those travel days again. One day I'll return to checking off the bucket list and experiencing those things that I plan to do. But today, I'm thankful for what I have more than ever. A car to travel safely around, places to visit within a few hours, Family visits, fishing, hikes, getting outdoors, extra time with our pets. And then there's this podcast project. So many things fell into place that made this project real. It had been a goal long before I retired. But it became a reality when I joined a bunch of talent stackers as an inaugural student amongst some much more talented classmates located all over the world. The opportunities to dig into a new area, learn from one of the best, yes, this is your shout-out, Jonathan Mendonza, and become part of a supportive community of others with similar goals of launching their own podcast and building a brand. It's incredible how many different passions we all have and that they are equally intense and beneficial to their respective audiences. Getting back to our focus today, what does all this matter? Well, the Rolling Stones chimed in with the song lyrics, You Can't Always Get What You Want, written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. The lyric and the chorus repeat several times and goes like this. No, you can't always get what you want. Oh, but if you try sometime, you just might find you get what you need. Have you ever thought about it this way? What I have is what I need. Right there, right now, what I have is what I need. This isn't my first time to say this. I think I mentioned it in some of my blog posts as well as previous podcast episodes. But I believe there's going to be a cultural shift. I'm not talking 180 degrees, but more like 15 to 20 degrees, maybe even 45 degrees in the marketing credit consumption mentality that is so prevalent going back to the 70s, at least in my personal experience. The Saturday morning cartoons were awesome, but they were saturated with the latest toy or sugar-filled cereal commercial. Did those commercials work? Heck yeah! When someone showed up on your block with the latest SSP racer, you were Google-eyed. SSPs were these cars that had a gyroscopic flywheel that you spun with a plastic T-handle pull cord. It had gears on it that matched the teeth on the flywheel. It was a challenge to get them to go straight, but we were living the dream. 
we had the same toy that was on the TV screen. Well, where is the focus today in advertising? Digital, no secret. In today's Wall Street Journal, there was a great chart of ad spending over the last several years and the demise of spending in newspaper, radio, and TV at the benefit of digital advertising in social media and integrated systems and schemes. Advertise pay for eyeballs, or in the case of many podcasters, dedicated ears. And unlike those generally targeted ads of our youth, now they can buy specific slices of the audience and get more traction for every penny they spend. They can target age groups, sex, location, interest. The precision is unmatched by anything in the past. Sometimes all these desires to have more stuff can lead to unhappiness. My research for this episode not only led me to examining what contentment can do in a positive way, but also the 10th commandment from the Bible popped up. This commandment basically says, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. You can find it in Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5. Some commentaries go on to encourage us to celebrate our neighbor's success. This is a healthy perspective. Coveting happens when someone resents the success of their neighbor, leading up to negative perspective, energy, or actions. Keeping up with the Joneses is something that's not new in life, and this commandment actually shows you that it might have been around a long time ago. Let me share one quote from the website Theology of Work. We can either take inspiration from the success of others, or we can covet. The first attitude provokes hard work and prudence. The second attitude causes laziness, generates excuses for failure, and provokes actions of confiscation. We'll never succeed if we convince ourselves that life is a zero-sum game and that we are somehow harmed when other people do well. We will never do great things if instead of working hard, we fantasize that other people's achievements are our own. I'll leave a link in the show notes for this if you want to read more. Let's get back to how this is relevant for your path to financial independence. Several times we've talked about optimizing your spending and knowing where your money goes. What I'm encouraging you to do today is to take a look at your life that you have. What brings you joy? What are you thankful for today? What is on your refrigerator? Is it the next three things you want to buy? Or is it a picture of the last time you walked on a beach with people you cared about? When was the last time you got in the car with a bag of snacks and a cooler of drinks with someone you cared about and went on a six-hour ramble discovering new things and places? During the Thanksgiving week, my wife and I had an opportunity on two different days to have a few adventures. It was so good to unplug and discover new places together. One day we went exploring with a few pair of binoculars on a nature trail. We walked down the trail and we ended up walking up on the biggest rattlesnake I've ever seen in the wild. Actually, it was the first one that I've seen alive. The others were always roadkill. Needless to say, she ran back to the truck, but I stuck around and got to watch him search around a brush pile for snacks. The point is, time is an unrenewable resource. And when you spend, or in this case, invest it with those you care about, later on, when your head hits the pillow that night, you think back about the day's activities, and you really can't help but smile. You had a meaningful day, 
you strengthened a relationship, and you banked a few more great memories. Well, on the next day, our adventure included two fishing poles, a bag of dead shrimp, and a few lawn chairs. We discovered a half dozen new bank fishing spots. We caught fish at a pace to keep us going at most spots, but the clear skies and warm sun and a sense of adventure made it another memorable day. In these days of somewhat encouraged isolation for precaution, a few days of adventure that cost less than 10 bucks were just what we needed. The simplicity and joy, just being outside and watching nature, which, if you know, I really enjoy watching birds, so I probably watch more birds than I did worry about my fishing. I was only interrupted by my wife swinging her pole over my direction and letting me take each of her fish off, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It was great to set them free and watch them swim back from the shallow water. My wife is a great fisherman. She seems to catch about three fish for every one I catch. She has this innate sense to know when to pull on the line and get the fish hooked. When you're fishing, you see there's that moment when you hook the fish and you start shouting out what you think it is, how big it is, and when it finally breaks through the surface, the mystery is revealed. It's a feeling that is so exciting you just can't put it into words. One minute, you're sitting still, and the next minute, forces beneath the water are interacting with you in a new way. In that afternoon sun, sitting in a lawn chair, watching a pelican with my binoculars, I was 100% thankful for that moment and the happy person sitting next to me. As we soaked up the sun, I'll take you back to Sheryl Crow's lyrics. And just to note, I've taken some editorial liberties and put them in a different sequence than they appear in the song. Here they are. It's not having what you want. It's wanting what you've got. And she also says, I've got no one to blame for every time I feel lame. And finally, I'm still the king of me. Be the king of your thoughts. Don't train your mind to conform with alternative value forces like advertisers, peer pressure, and other influences that are not aligned with your core values. The ability to objectively decide what is most important to you can help you decide to do more of that and less of the things you don't value. This behavior will likely make you feel better all around. And as a byproduct, it usually will favorably impact your path to financial independence. This week, make a decision to focus on what really matters to you. We'll wrap up segment one with this tidbit of wisdom from the lead singer of the power trio Rush. This is from the song Free Will, written by Neil Peart, Alice Lyson, and Getty Lee. Getty Lee belts out the lyrics. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Continuing your path is a decision that will yield the same results as it has in the past. Choosing to change can yield a different result. Find the rewarding path in your future. Well, that's heavy stuff. Segment one's over. Let's lighten up for segment two. Welcome back to Ladder segment two. Today we're going to talk about negotiation. This one word is kind of an enigma and a stigma in our culture. The word alone for most people conjures up thoughts of buying a car in a dealership where numbers are written down and a salesman goes to the elevated sales manager guy in the corner to get approval for the deal. Inevitably, he comes back with a counteroffer and the cycle continues. 
One of the more recent experiences for us occurred when we visited a dealer where we knew the sales manager and thought we would be spared the young salesman using his newly trained sales process skills, but that was not so. As we have done many other times, we politely later told the salesman, we're going to go have lunch and talk about it, and we'll return. Or not, if you read between the lines. We drove an hour away from home, purchased a different vehicle for the exact price we agreed to on the phone. My wife likes pretty much anything better than sitting with me in a negotiation discussion. Why is this such an uncomfortable situation? Well, here in the USA, other than buying cars, our culture is not one that operates as if things are negotiable. Some companies train their teams to deal with customers to make it right if anything goes wrong because a customer relationship is what brings them back, and a bad reference can be 10 times worse than losing one customer. Think about a simple situation, like at lunch. Oh, sorry, we put mustard on your burger. Let me make a new one, and here's an apple pie on the house. The salesperson looks the customer in the eye and apologizes. Will you be back? Well, probably so. I'm not talking about the hamburger today. Also, I tend to ask for something if we are inconvenienced and the establishment doesn't offer up any accommodation. With that, I'm going to go into what I consider a few rules of negotiation. These are not all of them, but four of them I want to share with you today. Rule number one, and let me be crystal clear on rule number one for negotiation. If you must have what you intend to negotiate, you have no leverage. You are simply purchasing the item for the most they can charge with a straight face. Okay, those are my words. Some would call it market price. But in our country, people pay the price marked on almost every item they buy. I've seen a mature individual pay sticker price for a new car and then pay retail price for a maintenance agreement on the car. Will a salesman leverage every shred of his position to put more money in his pocket? Absolutely. That job pays their bills. If you can get a confused 70-year-old to walk into your store and buy a vehicle and pay sticker price because that's the price on the window, and we usually pay the price it's marked, right? They're going to do it. Let's move on to negotiation rule number two. Rule number two simply states, everything is negotiable. Realize this fact. It may give you the courage to ask for a better deal. Getting quotes for insurance, buying a TV, taking a clearance item off a retailer's hands. The degree of negotiability can change as a result of several factors. Things as simple as the time of day, the weather, the day of the month, Many other factors impact how negotiable an item might be. Think about the pretzel kiosk at the mall. They make products fresh daily. If you show up 15 minutes before close, they'll likely mark them down to half price. Ask for three of them for the price of two. Will they take it? They might very well. They've got pretzels that are going in the trash can. They could turn into cash. Is the first hard freeze predicted tonight? Walk to the outside plant area of your favorite big box store and negotiate a deal to buy plants that are going to freeze if they're left outside. You may not even have to negotiate. They're proactively lowering the prices on these plants and putting them on clearance. At some point, the prices are so low, you'll buy the plants just to put them in your garage or greenhouse because you could not pass up the deal. 
the prices get extremely low the last night before the freeze actually occurs. Once again, they will literally throw those plants away. So anything they can get is better than zero. And lastly, the day of the month. This is a big one. The calendar alone creates an urgency where pressure sales have to be made. It's the last day of the month or the last day of the quarter or year end. And we've got to hit our numbers. We'll make a deal to move these units. I translate this to we have a slightly discounted price below the most we can take with a straight face, but still make a handsome profit. Meaning, if you have it marked down some, you can take a markdown a little lower. Remember rule number one above, if you can't walk away, you are not negotiating. You're purchasing at the most they will take from you that day. Forced buying takes away most of your leverage. Sure, you can go to another vendor or dealer and get a different price, but since you're forced to buy now, buy today, they sense blood in the water and are not going to lower prices too much because they have the leverage. They have the unit you want and you have to buy it. Have you ever been in this situation? How did you feel about the deal you got? Were you just happy that you got to purchase what you needed? Did you care if the cost you paid was 10 bucks a month more for the next 72 months? Did you realize that is $720 more than you wanted to pay? The sales tactic of breaking things down to monthly payments takes the sting out of the money they're taking out of your future earnings. A big win for them is they get it all today and you get the frog in the pot of boiling water and never realize the $1,000 are flying away a little at a time. The same thing can work in the opposite direction if you manage to save a few extra bucks a month on the deal and it goes into your investments. Those investments compound over time and you end up with $1,500 instead of paying an extra $720 over those six years. Michael Kitsis frequently says people's minds just don't seem to grasp compounding math. Sure, it's easy to multiply $10 times 72 months and get $720, but not so easy to imagine $10 a month going into an S&P 500 fund and then doubling over six years. Thinking back to the previous podcast that talks about opportunity cost, paying an extra $720 in cost as compared to the benefit of $1,500 after six years generates a difference of $2,200 between the two scenarios. Once again, we've digressed. Now let's get back to negotiation rule number three. This is a big one. They can't eat you. Remember, what's the worst that can happen when you ask for a better deal? They say no. They get grumpy because you won't behave like the other customers. They say you can only sell it for the price published or marked. They give you a what-the-heck stare. Do these things hurt you? Heck no. You're negotiating from a position of strength. You don't have to have it. You don't care if you get it today, tomorrow, or next week. You are giving them a chance to sell something, and they either will or will not. I can guarantee you one thing, though. They will sell it at the maximum reasonable price in the current environment if you don't ask for an alternative price. And for some things, you're perfectly fine with the price marked. A gallon of milk, a dozen eggs, the price is probably a pretty fair deal. Commodity items are generally priced at a market level price. It's those higher value purchases that have more room for negotiation. Rule number three is not in our programming to ask. 
If you grew up with parents that did not negotiate anything except occasionally a car, you probably have not attempted to negotiate yourself. I've had the privilege of working with people in many other countries, and many of them were raised in a culture where negotiating was as common as greeting each other on the street. But here in the U.S., that is just not the mentality we grow up with. It takes an effort to actually ask for a better deal. It's not going to hurt you. They're not going to eat you. Give it a shot. And now let's move on to negotiation rule number four. This one is kind of a soft rule. Uh, I'm a bit torn on it because it's not always the case, but it often does prove true. Be careful if you're mixing business with personal relationships. Negotiating with the personal relationship is a little bit different. You tend to be a little more guarded about what you say because you actually care about the person you're talking to and you don't want to offend them. This situation is particularly difficult if you're buying a unique item that can't easily be compared to something else. You may complete a transaction only to find out many months later when you get more facts. Of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, and the other data or information you get, you find out the deal was not really as great as you thought it was. It's too late now to do anything about it. And if it's a friend you care about, you probably aren't going to go back to him and say anything about it. It's pretty obvious that anything you do about the situation would be detrimental to the relationship. More than likely, you'll just call it a lesson learned and be more careful next time. I also do business with some personal uh, acquaintances, if you want to call it, on a professional basis that I feel totally okay with paying whatever bill they put in front of me. They provide professional services and I get value from those services and I have no problem paying a fair price for those services. It's not about getting things free every day when you negotiate. It's about getting a fair deal. And the fair deal might be something you can get a better deal one day and not another day based on many, many factors. Demand is another big one we didn't even talk about in today's discussion. But if there's a high demand for what you're trying to buy, the prices are going to be higher. And the inverse of that's also true. If there's a low demand, the prices will be extremely beneficial to you. There are just a lot of factors you have to consider. Okay, that's it for the rules today. We're going to stop with four rules. I promised a story of one of my own negotiation experiences. I shared this one a few times with friends around the table, and it's best shared with my wife providing much of the commentary. She experienced it firsthand and really can provide a little bit of insight from her perspective as well. She was in the studio last night, so let me... Roll that tape for you. Okay, and as promised, I've got a special story to share with you today. We have Mrs. Filider here in the studio. And uh, let me let me just set this up, and then you'll have uh, an opportunity to hear her perspective and color in this story, because this story can only be told with... Uh, with her perspective included. So let me just let me just set this up by saying uh, I was uh, working at a company at the time and and there was a four hour course we took on negotiation. And this course just lit me up. I wanted to negotiate everything after I got out of this course. You know, TVs, French fries, it didn't matter. I was going to negotiate because I learned that everything was negotiable. So picture this. So Miss Filider and I, we got about a three-year-old daughter sweet, cute little thing. And then we have a son that's about five months old. And we've had hardly any pictures really at that point taken of our family. And 
We were going up to the church to take a church directory picture, and we're all dressed up. We walk in there. We pose for the pictures, and this was, you know, one of those, uh, you know, studio networks that takes pictures of church directories all over the country, a very well-known company. I'm not going to name it, but you can probably guess it in one guess or less. So they take all our pictures. You know the routine. You know, they set you down. They do the poses with the photographer, and then they walk you into this other room, and this was in the early, you know, digital days where they could pull up the pictures on a screen and you could look at them and, and identify which ones were the best. And, and then the discussion ensues on what package you would like to buy. And if you need any other specific pictures, a couple of eight by tens or five by sevens for grandmothers or, or whatever. We sit down in that room and I think there were two chairs. So, and uh, I think I'm, I'm holding uh, our daughter and, and my my wife is holding our son, a lady I'd say in probably, what do you think, maybe a 60-year-old lady? Probably so. Yeah, someone a little bit up in her age, but you know, you know, she's not a rookie at selling these pictures. So we're sitting there in the chairs, and she proceeds to, to talk about package A and package B. And, you know, remember, this negotiation thing is in my head, and, and my wife's already experienced a few activities where she wasn't real happy to see this stuff done. And and we're sitting there and, and trying to get our first family pictures with the new baby. And I think it might even have been uh, right before the holidays. So these are like the pictures we're going to give. Maybe Easter, but I think it was in the fall. If you get the picture, these are really important pictures. And, and remember, we'll talk more about rule number one later, but we sat down to, to talk about what packages we wanted. And, and tell us what happened. If you can imagine this, he was sitting there and this lady was talking to us. And he turns and he sees this sign and it says senior citizen discount, 10% off the pictures for a senior citizen discount. So he let her do her sales pitch. And at the very end, when she was done and said, so what would package would you like? He looks at her and says, well, I want X package, but I want the 10% senior citizen discount to which she replied, sir, I do not believe you're a senior citizen. And he says, well, why do they get all the breaks? They have all the money, and I'm a husband, and a, I have a wife and these two little children, and I need that 10% senior discount. <laughs> and I proceeded to look at him, and I gave him the, you know, ladies, the eyes that you give your husband in situations like that. And I said, I will be in the car with the two kids, and you better come home or actually come to the car with a package and our pictures, and I left. At, at that point, she literally grabs our daughter's hand and walks out carrying our son. I'm thinking she's not real happy at this point. And then I realized I didn't think about rule number one that hard. We really did need those pictures. Yes, we did. So I, the, the rest of the story... It's pretty. It's a pretty good story. It ends. It ends well. I'll tell you. I, I'm still married after more than thirty years, and and we ended up getting the pictures. But the which, lady. But I will tell you, by the way, which made me mad just a tiny bit because he did get that ten percent discount. I did. I did. You know, I looked at that lady, and after my wife walked out with the kids, she says, "I'll tell you what. Now you can't tell anyone outside." Okay, don't tell anyone outside that I'm giving you this senior citizen discount. I said, 
It's just my deal. It's just my deal. And she gave me the discount. We took the kids to Luby's afterwards. You know, Luby's here in the South in the United States. It's a, it's a cafeteria chain. We went and had a Luby's dinner that night. The money we saved on the discount pretty much covered most of our Luby's, and I was pretty happy about that. But uh, I, I will tell you, looking back in hindsight, I, I didn't respect rule number one. I really did need those pitchers. I didn't have a lot of power to negotiate. But I did employ the rule that says, you know, if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it. And uh, we, we've had a situation or two over the years just like this one. And, and I think at this point, my wife knows it's going to happen. Yes, it will happen, ladies. It will happen. You know, unleash that power of negotiation. And, 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 you know, it's not always a negative thing. It's just a little bit crazy. When you're sitting there all dressed up and, and you're being sold a package, you literally throw a crazy curveball at the person selling to you and you say, I want the senior citizen's discount. I mean, here I am. I mean, literally, I'm like 30 years old. And it's pretty obvious I'm not a senior. But you know what? If you can give the seniors a discount, you can give me a discount. I'm no different than them. And I walk and I talk and I breathe and I buy pictures. So I'm buying two packages and I'm buying two extra five by sevens for the grandmothers. So I'm talking about an ideal situation here where I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to buy, make it a little better deal for me. Just make it a little better. Anyway, that's a story I wanted to share with everyone today. Uh, I appreciate Mrs. Feileiter stepping into the studio today and help us out with the, with that story. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> and I know you can, <laughs> I know you really enjoy being on the podcast, right? That is correct. I do. Okay. Not. <laughs> well, maybe podcasting is in your future again, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just close it out there and, and uh, wrap up the story. But that's one of our negotiation stories. I'm sure each of you have a negotiation story from your past that, that uh, you look back on and say, what was I thinking? You know, each, each one of them is an opportunity to hone the skill and get a little better. I really want to thank Ms. Feileiter for joining us today on that negotiation story to share with the audience. Let us know if you want to hear more from Mrs. Feileiter in the future. I hope these four rules in your toolbox will give you the confidence to seize the moment the next time you have an opportunity to negotiate. Give it a try next week. I'd love to hear back from our listeners and find out if they were able to step out of their comfort zone and change their mindset and attempt to negotiate something they never would have in the past. Well, that wraps up our segment on negotiation. I hope you've enjoyed segment two and have some actionable tips. Okay, there's just a few more things I want to share before we wrap today and stick a fork in episode number four. I just wanted to share a word of thanks. Many of you have asked how the File Outer podcast is doing. Here are a few accomplishments each of you share as a member of our community. The File Outer podcast is heard in eight countries. The long-distance country winner is Singapore, and the newest country we added is India. Here in the USA, the File Outer podcast has reached 22 states. The top five states currently are Texas, California, Virginia, Ohio, and Louisiana. It's going to be hard to displace Texas, but any of you states can move up in the top five. It's totally possible. I don't know who is listening from where, but I do know I appreciate each one of you. Hopefully these data points will answer your questions. I'm really excited about the Filadder community, and I can't wait to see where 2021 takes us. Today we talked about two concepts. 
The first one was that concept of living below your means and wanting what you have, not necessarily having what you want. It's a different mindset. Think about it a little bit and put it to practice this week. The other thing we talked about was negotiations. We covered four rules on negotiating. And I hope you can take these actionable tips and employ them on your path to financial independence. Many of you have asked, what can you do to help spread the Philider message? Here are three ways you can help. Number one, share a link to the podcast with someone you think would benefit from this content. You probably know like-minded people that would enjoy the Philider life as much as you do. Number two, if you use Apple's podcast player, write a review. These are particularly helpful to the others exploring our podcasts and help the search algorithms place value on the Philider community. Number three, hit subscribe on whatever podcast player you're using. We want you to be the first to get the latest episodes when they're released. That's it. I would really appreciate it if you could do any or all three of these things. My goal is to highlight or highlight relevant information on each of your paths to financial independence. A wealth of information will benefit you, whether you're a millennial or young boomer. It may be only that you need to change your course heading just a few degrees to make early retirement a reality. We will continue to explore the issues and topics in front of young boomers as well as valuable lessons for the millennials to accelerate everyone's path to FI. Remember, mind the gap. Income plus. Expenses minus. The result is the gap. Grow the gap. Remember to subscribe wherever you enjoy the Philider podcast to receive new content as it's released. I look forward to your comments, feedback, and engagement with other Philiders. You can also subscribe to the Philider Facebook page. Links are available in the show notes. I'm Lambo. Let's clear your path to financial independence. Make it happen. Grow the gap. This is Lambo, the Philider. If you're hungry for more, visit philider.com. Buckle up, downshift, and dump the clutch. You are in for an accelerated ride into your financial future with Lambo, the Phi Lighter. In the bonus segment, we have rule number five. Negotiating rule number five is it's okay to hit the pause button in negotiations. Push away from the table. Don't let their urgency to get you to sign the line make you make mistakes. Think about it, digest it. If you don't understand, it's always okay to push away from the table and digest the facts. That's rule number five for the bonus listeners. Have a great day and seize the moment. Today's episode was recorded on Thursday, December 3rd and Friday, December 4th, 2020.